All right, I gotta prepare for this one because man, this one's gonna hurt a lot of people. <laughs> All right. Hello and welcome to Becky and Marie's 12 Fears of Christmas. We're on fear number four. All right, so I'm just gonna show you on the Zoom. All right. Do you know what this is from? No. Okay. Would you describe for our beloved listeners what this is? And what the, it looks like? It's a dude holding a sign that says, to me, you are perfect. Okay. Can you see somebody over here? Yeah, there's a there's a woman. I'm assuming a woman yeah. looking at him, yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that are creepy about this. First of all, that's Kira Knightley who's watching this guy say it. And the actress was 17 when this was filmed, which is weird because she's playing a woman who's obviously in her 20s. And most of the time, Hollywood casts younger than and not older, you know? But, um, or not just Hollywood, but the film industry. So this is the movie Love, actually. And it's one of the most famous scenes in this movie. And Love, actually, was set in and around December and it was, you know, snowy in London. Um, that it became for some reason a Christmas movie in the last 17 years and it markets itself as a rom-com and it is absolutely not a rom-com you've never seen this movie right no in fact I know how much you hate this movie and this is just my commentary on it James and I started it one night and like 10 or 15 minutes in we stopped it because we were so bored Yes. First of all, it's not a very good movie. It's really not. So I know people who love it. And some of my best friends who listen to this podcast love it. And I still love y'all. And I hope you still love me. But this movie is terrible. And it's terrible on all levels. The only thing that gets right is it casts brilliant actors. I mean, top shelf, A-list, award-winning actors. There's nobody better than Emma Thompson in the whole wide world. I mean, you yeah. got your Colin Firth, you got yourself some Liam Neeson, you got yourself some Kira Knightley. You, she was other fours in this movie in a throwaway role. You got the best people you can have, right? Hugh Grant. So here's the thing. <laughs> Long before people started realizing or wrote on the interwebs how much this movie's terrible for so many reasons, I hated it the first time I saw it. So what this movie does, if you've never watched it, don't. Um, Let me just ruin it all for you, okay? So the movie follows like about eight different storylines. Like here's somebody who has a crush on somebody over here. And here's somebody who has a crush on somebody over here. And here's somebody who's going through something over here. There's a marriage in distress. And so the storylines are inherently misogynistic and, and mean and hateful. I'm going to start with the reason I originally hated the movie was because it's not a romantic comedy. Romantic comedy implies happy ending. Otherwise, going back to Shakespeare, it's not a fucking comedy. Okay, it can be a romance, but it's not a comedy. Most of these characters do not end up happy, especially the women. And so it's all about these men who do things like what this guy was doing in that picture. He shows up at this person's home, Kira Knightley's home, and start showing her these cue cards declaring his love for her. So, which, by the way, all by itself is creepy, right? It's a, it's a little fucking creepy. Right? That's declaring a big thing him. right now on the internet. The cue card thing. Have you seen those? Where people are surprising their family members with something. They like. Oh, okay. Well, maybe they're doing it because of this. But this, the origins of it are really, really gross. Okay. 
So this guy who does this cue card thing with Kira Knightley, he is her husband's best friend. So she's married. To Chirota Adrafor. And this guy shows up at the house and does this. Okay? That's creepy. While her husband is in the house. So before this, this guy was the best friend of her husband. And he had been the videographer at their wedding. And she was always saying to her husband, like, he doesn't like me. He's mean to me. I don't know why. Why? You know, he's like, oh, don't worry. You know, he'll like you eventually get to know you. Well, turns out that he had never spoken to her ever, but he was hopelessly in love with her, which is a theme in this movie, by the way. Men see a woman, don't talk to her, fall in love with her, and declare their love. It happens on many of these storylines. And so she finally is like, I need my wedding video, and he won't give it to her. Well, she goes to his home, and he is watching the video, I think, 90% sure. He's watching the video. She watches it. And it's nothing but her. It's close-ups of her. That's creepy. It's fucking creepy as fuck. And yet she's flattered. She leaves, or he leaves, I don't know, whatever. Then this home, this house visit happens where she opens the door. And then he starts showing her these cue cards. And she just sits there the whole time. Instead of saying, hey, Jack, or whatever her husband's name was, like, could you get in here please <laughs> something really terrifying is happening on your porch okay no no no. she listens she watches the whole thing with the cue cards he declares his undying love for her and he really says like i will love you the rest of my life but just forget i ever told you this i mean it's really ridiculous so then he leaves but the, the the creeper he leaves she chases him down in the street and kisses him really so she loved yes. it too no just a just a short little kiss, just to make sure that he knew. I don't know what the fuck, because a guy wrote this movie and a guy directed this movie. That's why it happened. Mm. So I did a lot of research. I was curious as to whether or not I'm the only one. Turns out I'm not the only one in any country and any publication that everyone else has realized this movie is so fucking awful. So let me tell you about another storyline. Laura Linney, who I don't think there's anybody better. Or I mean, like Laura Linney and Emma Thompson, okay, are the women in this movie who just are just the most real you know yeah well laura linney is in love with this guy she works with and in by in love with i mean they never speak i mean that's what happens this movie nobody ever speaks to each other even if they care about each other so she's in love with them from afar and then eventually they they end up going to her house because they're drunk from a office christmas party and they go to her house they don't have one conversation they don't I was reading, by the way, one of my favorite writers online is Lindy West. She's phenomenal. And she writes for some different publications, but she wrote this one for Jezebel. And, and she says, you know, they go to her house and then they don't stop in the living room to have a conversation. They just go straight to the bedroom and start, you know, rolling around naked. And then her brother, Laura Lenny's brother, who is institutionalized and she's his guardian, he starts calling and he's having panic attacks or something. So then the guy that she likes, instead of staying in the house and being like, oh, I'm concerned about you. Is your brother okay? He's pissed off that their sex was interrupted. and He leaves and she's left heartbroken. That's Laura Lenny. I mean, that's her character's story arc. I was so pissed because that was the only storyline I actually really was invested in watching the movie for the first time. And I'm like, if they don't end up together, why did this movie even happen? It was so awful. Oh, I was so pissed. Okay, 
So then there's the Karen Knightley one with the creepy guy, and then she gives him a kiss for some fucking reason. But let me just say, there's two other storylines that are really emblematic of why this movie is so horrible. So I'm going to try and find the exact... Okay, so you know the guy... You watch The Queen's Gambit, right? Yeah. Okay. So you know the guy who was kind of the young chess expert that kind of had her come to New York and stay on his couch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that actor played Jojen in Game of Thrones. Did you watch that? Uh-huh. Okay. So he plays a, a 13-year-old or 11-year-old kid in this movie. And he's in love, quote-unquote, in love with a girl in his, you know, fifth grade or eighth grade class or whatever, however old he is. Okay. And so he is the son of Liam Neeson's character. So I'm going to read Lindy West's brilliant article from 2013 in Jezebel. She says, it turns out the kid, whose name is Sam, but I'm going to call it, she calls him Jojen the whole time because she's fucking hilarious. He's in love with a girl named Joanna, which is his dead mom's name. And Joanna doesn't even know he exists, probably because he's hanging out with the men of Love Actually too much. So he just sits around being self-pitying douche instead of fucking talking to her like a human being. When Sam tells his father that he's really depressed, his father laughs in his face. Then they come up with 900 different strategies to make Joanna fall in love with him. Weirdly, none of those strategies are say hi to her. Also not considered. You're 11. Calm the fuck down. Jojen is still totally stumped about the best way to force Joanna to love him against her will. I mean, he's tried everything. Staring at her. He tried never talking to her. He tried complaining to his dad. He tried watching Titanic. Seriously, what's it going to take, Joanna? And then light bulb. There's a big concert at the end of Titanic. And I thought, he says, that if I was in the band and played absolutely superbly, there's a chance she might fall in love with me. So Lindy West, the brilliant Lindy, Lindy West says, oh, my God, go talk to her. Just go talk to her. Just go talk to her. <laughs> there's no talking between the characters in this movie. Nobody ever talks. In fact, Colin Firth, the great, brilliant, beautiful Colin Firth, is in love with a woman who he literally has never spoken to. She's his housekeeper and they don't speak a word of each other's languages. After he realizes he's in love with a woman he's never actually had a conversation with, he leaves his family Christmas dinner, flies to another country, finds her father to declare his love for her and finds her at work and she agrees to the marriage. He proposes to her and she agrees to marry him. I'm not exaggerating. They have not had one word of a conversation. They have never spoken. So can I jump in here? Yeah. So this is like, did you see Superbad? Yeah. You know where uh, Jonah Hill's character when he's like in junior high is just obsessed with drawing penises? Yeah. This is like that. This guy is obsessed with unrequited love. The author is obsessed with unrequited love. He's but it's the, not unrequited. The women give in. The women say yes. The women he, always say yes. But he's obsessed with some aspect of the idea that you can love someone that you don't know. He's obsessed which, with them. Which is not necessarily a bad movie, but it's not, A, it's not a Christmas movie, so stop. But B, it's not a romantic comedy. It's not at all. A, it's not funny. There's only a couple things that are funny. Bill Nye's in it and he's hilarious. His storyline is actually interesting. Um, and he's hilarious. But then, this is one of my favorite storylines, okay? So there's an actor who I don't know his name, they, but he's, he is um, one of those actors that the people who write about him are not offending him by saying he's not a good looking guy. 
And his storyline is he just tries to have sex with every woman he sees, including women at work and women walking down the street. And this is from Katie Harrington in the Refinery29 article. She's also a really good writer. And here's what she says. What love actually pushes on us is a pre-hashtag me too imagining of high romance where women are lovely because they are non-threatening, passive and available, or they are bad and have severe haircuts. Now she's right about that. You should see Emma Thompson's haircut. So one of the storylines is Colin, who is sexually harassing everyone around him. And he decides that because he can't have sex with a woman in England because they're too stuck up for him, he goes to the USA. And uh, he decides that because he has a British accent, the girls are going to fall all over him. So he goes to this bar and within seconds of walking into this bar in the U.S., he's propositioned by three, and the article says this, incredibly sexy women. Two of them are played by January Jones and Alicia Cuthbert. Empirically hot women, right? Who's the guy? Who's the guy, by the way? I don't know. The character's name is Colin. Colin from Love Actually. You can look that up. Okay. Chris Marshall. Okay. Okay, go ahead. And his character, by the way, I'm not even talking about physically. His character is so repugnant. Like, it's not just, I mean, if he were an unattractive, charming guy, it'd be different. He's grotesque in this group. He's gross. It's like the way he plays the character is grotesque. Yes, gross. So he is propositioned by January Jones, Alicia Cuthbert, and a couple other people who invite him back to their apartment to have sex with uh, another sexy female flatmate. And this is a true part of this movie. I'm not making this up. The movie actually did this. So they all love him, but he realizes he can only take one back to England for himself. But nice guy that he is, he brings one back for his friend too and hands her over at the airport to his friend like a Toblerone that he bought at Duty Free. And that character is played by Shannon Elizabeth. And she literally, he walks her off the plane and he's like, here's my friend. And she walks up to the friend, starts making out with weird also not romantic okay so the storyline that is the absolute worst is is the hell's that guy's name alan rickman the great alan rickman and emma thompson right okay by the way and this idea i just want to interject if there's any question about whether or not love actually is a christmas movie i'm looking at the the key art on the packaging in the movie and it's got a bow on it with the yeah uh, with the card and there's like lights behind everybody it's definitely being marketed as a christmas movie oh yeah it is i know but it's not it just happens to take place in the winter time in london which i've lived in the uk in the winter time uh, sometimes it's fun but most of the time it's just a bunch of slush so emma thompson and alan rickman and this is one of the best moments in terms of acting in the film is Emma Thompson. But Alan Rickman has been sexually harassed and sexually harassing at work. And he's sexually harassed Laura Linney by telling her that she needs to just sleep with the guy in the next cubicle. His assistant is essentially just walking around trying to proposition him all the time. Practically has, and Lindy West, I think, calls them bipedal vaginas, the way that women are treated in this movie. And so he buys his assistant a really nice necklace. Well, Emma Thompson is his wife, and she sees the necklace in his you know, pocket or drawer or whatever and thinks it's for her at Christmas time. Well, when she opens the, her Christmas gift from him, it's not the necklace. He's given her something stupid and cheap. So she figures out he bought the necklace for somebody else. Mm-hmm. 
Now, there's never, the movie's never really clear about whether or not he actually had an affair with this woman. I, I know that's not the point, but the weird part I read about in one of these articles that we'll put on our website is that um, the wife of the filmmaker confirmed it. Oh yeah, they had an affair. Don't you worry. That's how it was written. I was like, great. So the end of the movie, she stays with him. She has uh, the moment where she sees her Christmas gift and realizes what he's done is so brilliant and heartbreaking. And, but she stays with him, of course, because this movie and there is, uh, and then the only other storylines are big grand gestures, like not, I'm never going to speak to Joanna at school. I'm only going to do big grand gestures to make her fall in love with me, manipulate her into falling in love with me. Now I'm of the opinion, and I know a lot of people don't like this, that big romantic gestures are manipulations 99% of the time. And by 99, I mean a hundred. But if, if he is, <laughs> if he's gonna, if he's gonna like approach her, man, he's not just going to say, hi, Joanna, my name is, you know, Toby or whatever. He's going to do a big giant romantic gesture. And he does. I don't remember what it is, but it doesn't matter. But of course she falls in love with him because this movie. Liam Neeson, whose wife in this movie had died previously, which is really tragic because his wife died a few years after this in real life. But he is, um, he falls in love with the literal Claudia Schiffer who walks down the street and he sees her and falls in love with her without ever speaking a word to each other. I mean, no one in this movie actually speaks to each other other than the married couple and they're miserable. And so the guy who like loves Kira Knightley, well, he's been mean to her and horrible to her, but he's in love. That's because he's in love with her. How are you in love with her if you don't even know her? Yeah. Now, I am not here to ruin your holiday movies. Just turn off this fucking thing and go watch Elf and call it a day. Because this thing is not a Christmas movie. Fuck, go watch Die Hard. That's like in my top Christmas movies. And don't tell me it's not a Christmas movie. This movie is not just not a Christmas movie because it's not a Christmas movie. It's not a Christmas movie because it's misogynistic as fuck. And it does not even pass the Bechdel test. The what? The Bechdel test. What's you know what the that? Bechdel test is? No. <gasps> This makes me so happy that I get to talk about this. Okay, so Rachel Bechdel is a comedian who came up with this this test, and it's actually a litmus test. You can you can look it up. B e c h d e l test. Don't do it now because I'm gonna explain it to you. But it's brilliant in its simplicity, and it's amazing how many movies don't pass it. So her hypothesis is, or for it to pass the Bechdel test, a movie must have two women who have a name, who talk to each other about something other than a man that's okay. it that's it now so many movies don't pass this test right women won't have a name or they only have scenes with men or they only talk about men right? so none of the women in this movie have names they do but it has to pass all three the women ah, in the movie talk to okay. each other, and I when they talk to each other they don't talk to each other about anything but a man ah. there's only one scene where two females have a conversation about something other than a man and that's emma thompson and her like nine-year-old daughter oh wow and they're talking about like a school performance or a play or something that's it and so for for a movie that has 38 different brilliant actors and all of these you know storylines and this and this and this and and oh and martin freeman plays a, a stand-in for porn and then there's some really graphic sex that he he simulates with this topless woman whose breasts he has to massage. I mean, it's so That's in the movie. Yes, 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 yes. 
And so his storyline is he and the sex uh, stand-in that he's massaging her breasts, which of course they show all that, they fall in love. It's like, you know, <laughs> can can anybody in this movie be realistic or can anybody in this movie not be um, seen through the lens of a dude who only wants women who don't speak? Because, and Lindy West points this out, so shout out to my girl, Lindy West. I think she even counts. Like there's the only woman in the movie who says more than 27 words to a man. I think she says 27 words is Emma Thompson. And she ends up, of course, miserable and her husband cheats on her because, you know, this so, movie. So here's my question for you. Because, like, here's the thing. You have some serious hate for this movie. That's a fair statement, right? Harper, would you agree with that? <laughs> here she is, look. She's here. Yeah, I see her. <laughs> yes, okay, I do. I hate it. Yeah, yeah. So, a lot of people like it, right? I've heard tell. Why do you think people like it? Put on your well, professor's like cap. It. What? I said, put on your professor's cap. And my husband they... likes it, and he likes it because of the context in which he saw it. He saw it in London at Christmas time when it came out. You know, so. He has a good sense memory. Um, and I don't know the answer to why other people like it. I really don't. I don't, and, and I know that people are, are like, if you're listening to it in your car, you're like pounding your you know, steering wheel right now going, the fuck, you're an idiot. It's a great movie. I don't know why people like, I really don't. Well, no, I mean, if somebody really loves this movie, I would love to hear, email us and let us know. I haven't seen it. And like I said, I thought it seemed boring when I watched the first 15 minutes of it, but for people who like it, I'd love to know, because you make a lot of valid points about about it not having any redeeming qualities. I actually went on Amazon. I was like, maybe I could find out on Amazon why people like it, because, you know, people give ratings there. Yeah. Um, like, here's a couple of the responses. The first, the very first one, uh, this is from Nathan Cox. One star, Christmas from hell. That's hi the- <laughs> Nathan. Woo! <laughs> I watched this movie near Christmas because I was told it was romantic. Boy, was that the biggest lie I've ever heard in all of 2018, and the year's almost over. The plot lines are stereotypical garbage. You'll find it tabloid magazine, you know. Oh wow, he goes on. So he he ends it by saying, "If you think this is a good rom com to watch with your girlfriend or wife, think again. It's trash. It is trash. It's completely." A dumpster fire of a movie, to quote one of my sources I'm going to put on our website. I absolutely cannot understand, cannot understand why. Natalie, Natalie says, gives it one star. She says, a girl kisses her husband's best friend because it's, in quote, Christmas. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Natalie. Because the thing that one of these articles points out, I think it was Lindy, but maybe not, is... If you if you believe Alan Rickman didn't really do anything with his assistant who keeps coming on to him, then his worst betrayal was buying a bracelet he may or may not have given to someone. Well, right. Kira Knightley's betrayal is so much worse. Keeping the secret from her husband, never telling him what the best friend did, and then kissing the fucker? I mean, that's much worse betrayal. Well, trying to be helpful, Vicky would disagree with you. She gave gave the movie four stars. She says, love in all of its forms from the normal to the supernormal. 
healing, reviving, and you don't need to wait until Christmas. Healing? Who was healed by this motherfucking movie? What does that even mean? (laughs) Adrian Sky gives it five stars. I love, 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 actually. Why? This is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. And it has been since I first saw it in the theater 16 years ago. It was wonderful. Like seeing the light. Hold on, wait. This is oddly written. Like seeing light splitting through a prism, we see various facets of loving relationships held up and highlighted through the multiple storylines that appear disparate in the beginning, but of course come together in a central chord. Do you want me to continue? (laughs) This is like- Is this person trying to get a job as a film critic through Amazon? I don't know. So I'm going to give you this. I'm going to, what's this guy's name who just said how much he loves it? Adrian Skye. Okay. I don't know. Man, woman, whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to see you, Adrian. I'm going to raise you our writer, (laughs) Adley Freeman, who says this. She says that she and her friend went to see this movie together and they thought, oh, it's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be all romantic and we're going to come out just floating on air. She says, Richard Curtis's sexist saccharine turkey is being recooked at a time when TV romance is far superior. May it teach filmmakers to aim higher. The script is bad. So bad. Not one person behaves like a recognizable human being. She and her friend, she says, this is so cute, emerged from the cinema with faces frozen like (laughs) Munch's scream and silently went their separate ways. They called each other later to check in on each other like victims of a terrible disaster. (laughs) That's how I felt watching (laughs) this movie. It is so awful. And I don't know why necessarily, I'm just going to attribute something Kira Knightley didn't actually say. It's weird that, to watch it to know how young she was because she's playing a mid-20s girl, but she's 17 at the time. Mm-hmm. And she said she's only seen the movie once. She only saw it the, like the day it came out at the premiere. She's not watched it again. And I'm like, Kira, follow your instincts. You do not need to see this movie again. Well, I think you'll like the review of Q, who gave it two stars. Two? I- okay. I did enjoy it. Three double scotches may have helped. Oh dear. (laughs) Oh dear. I bought this so I could find out for myself what the film is about. Most people seem to rave about it. To be honest, I did enjoy it. Three double scotches may have helped take the edge off the critical faculties. He goes on. Nice. 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 And also here's another one, two stars from BK. Um, Mittel film trots Exlinder. Darsteller, Abner Klein. I don't speak this language, so we'll take that one. <laughs> okay, I want to show you this. So this, so this is Kara Knightley in the movie. Yeah, she is turning away from the video screen where the stalker has tried to try her skin on via VHS tape. Okay, right. That's all of us watching this movie. That's all of us. Like, and one of the things that Lindy West said was, instead of calling nine one one, she's flattered. <laughs> what the fuck yikes yeah there's nothing romantic about this movie and i mean nothing let's say okay hugh grant his plotline he's the prime minister of of england in this movie and he's single which i don't think has ever happened in the history of of um, prime ministers uh and then there's a girl who shows up to serve him coffee he falls in love with her at first sight without ever speaking to her of course 
everyone in the movie, and I mean everyone, including the girl's own parents, people that work with her, everyone calls her fat and refers to her in derogatory names. There's so much fat shaming in this. It is grotesque and offensive. And by the way, doesn't matter if the girl is overweight, she's not, she's gorgeous and adorable. I mean, she's adorable. Mm-hmm. But they talk about her thunder thighs. They call her Dunkin' Donuts. They, they talk about her ass. They talk about how fat she is. And her own father calls her fat. And Hugh Grant fires her because she's too pretty. He can't work with her. Illegal. Hello, illegal and gross. It's just like, <laughs> it's so gross. And like, okay, like all of these men fall, quote unquote, in love with these, these, you know, the people who work for them. It's like, can any of you have a, like an equal, you know, where you actually, which to me would make it an actual romantic movie. You know Second. what's weird about this, this horrible, horrible review that you're giving to this movie? Yeah. It's actually making me want to watch it. Just to hate on it? I love hate watching. I love hate watching. Because, <laughs> I mean, the amount of anger that this movie inspires in you, it's like, <laughs> <Inspires>. wow. <laughs> 